You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. Eurosimos. What's up, Joel? We got another episode. Welcome back to Here for the Truth, everyone. Yeah, my name's Eurosimos. And uh, as always, I got my co host, Joel Rafidi, with me. I don't think I've ever heard my name is Eurosimos. <laughs> What's up, everyone? My name is Yurasimo. I got Joel with me, as always. We got to mix it up sometimes here, here for the channel. Wow. This this guy just trying to get out years worth of not doing intros. In this. Listen, listen to that. Listen to that voice. <laughs> I think your uh, Australian <laughs> accent. You know, I think your Australian accent works uh, for the intro. You know. Eileen Dave McCusick is in the house with us. Um, we get deep into her work. She's a pioneer of sound healing, biofield tuning, anatomy, uh, and and this this work of you know the electric body and sound as the undercurrent of reality. Fascinating, fast, fascinating conversation here uh, for sure. Uh, one that was very, I guess, new for me, um, but excited to explore it further. Um, there's a couple weeks left, maybe a bit less to join Rise Above the Herd on the early bird pricing. So Rise Above the Herd, as many of you know, this is our eight-week transformative group coaching program uh, for truth seekers. This will be our eighth time running it now uh, with incredible results and incredible testimonies. And this is as cheap as you'll be able to buy it before we open the doors um, officially in early December. So if you want to jump in at early bird pricing, you can do so now at riseaboveheherd.co or by using uh, the link in the show notes. Yeah. I mean, I also, uh, what Joel and I have been talking about, we really want to meet our community. Mm. Uh, so we've decided to do a global community call on Zoom for all our listeners that just want to connect, meet us, meet one another. And so we're going to be doing that on Tuesday, December 19th at 2 p.m., Pacific Standard Time. So obviously we have listeners all around the world. So, you know, find a time zone converter and convert that to your location. But we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to meet you. And we'd love for you to meet other people that are fans of the podcast. So we'll have a link for you to register for that. That'll be in the show notes. So go ahead and do that. And uh, looking forward to connecting. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's be a Christmas holiday hangout. This is, you know, there's no payment for this event, for this Zoom call. Uh, it's completely free. All you have to do is register and you'll be sent a Zoom link. We'll have some fun. We'll play some games, get into some breakout rooms, you know, get to get to meet like-minded community all connected through this podcast. So yeah, that link is in the show notes and you can register there. Anything else, my man? No, that's it. Uh, I guess without further ado, here's Eileen. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. Today, we have another incredible guest with us. We have Eileen McCusick. In the house, she's a pioneer in the fields of human biofield therapeutic sound and electric health, a researcher, author, inventor, educator, speaker, and practitioner. She's researched health since 1987 and specifically how sound impacts health since 1996. She's the originator of the sound therapy method biofield tuning with thousands of students trained worldwide since 2010 and the founder of the Biofield Tuning Institute, which conducts grant-funded, peer-reviewed, and published research on the human biofield. She's the author of two best-selling books, 
the award-winning Tuning the Human Biofield, Healing with Vibrational Sound Therapy, and Electric Body, Electric Health, a groundbreaking look at the electric nature of the human body, emotions, and life itself. She's also the inventor of the revolutionary and much-loved tool, the Sonic Slider, the creator of a lot of tuning forks and accessories, and the CEO of Biosona, which provides sound therapy tools and training globally. Her work has helped thousands of people around the world overcome chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and other health challenges, enabling them to live more fulfilling and empowered lives. Eileen's work is changing the way we think about health and wellness. What a bio. Eileen, welcome to Here for the Truth. Hey, thanks, guys. Great to be here. No, absolute pleasure to have you here. One way we always like to um, kick off with first-time guests is we want to get to know um, you a little bit. What are some of the major rites of passages along your journey that I guess really catalyzed and transformed you into, into being a pioneer in this field and doing the work you do now? Ooh, that's a great question. <clears throat> well, I got into it for my own interest in healing, certainly, uh, like many people do. Uh, I started using tuning forks back in 1996 in Connecticut, <laughs> where everyone thought that I was a complete freak. Uh, and and that judgment around tuning forks being waved around people's bodies as being ridiculously woo and pseudoscientific uh, definitely made me reluctant to consider it as a career path. <laughs> I was in the restaurant business and then in the specialty food business. And so um, my healing work was a side gig for a long time. In fact, somebody looked at my resume and they were like, a restaurant, and then you made kettle corn, and then biofield tuning. They're like, I don't get it. <laughs> but there was a lot of, uh, you know, under the hood kind of exploration. And uh, and I, I did the work with tuning forks as a hobby for 10 years. Uh, and I kept going back to them because they were so intriguing. Like, you, you know, there's something about the word tuning fork, I think when people hear it, that it just sets off what I call people's woo bells. <laughs> and, you know, there's just something about that that just seems like so easy to dismiss. But a tuning fork is essentially just an acoustic tone generator. It's it's really an instrument. You know, that, that's what it is. And so you kind of have to get past the tuning fork into what it does, which is generate a pure tone. And... Uh, and it turns out that our bodies are actually self-tuning instruments. And when you all tuning forks in the right place around the body for the right amount of time, like the body will actually use it to tune itself. And our factory settings are actually for harmony and for coherence. And the body will bring itself back to that uh, given the opportunity. So wow. I want to ask you something real quickly. I grew up in the restaurant business. We've talked about this before. Um, so would you like after a long day of work, would you come back with your tuning forks and just kind of, you know, work on yourself just to kind of help yourself get a little bit more regulated uh, after a long day's work? No, I was extremely other oriented, like learning self-care was a very <laughs> difficult thing for me. And for so many years, people are like, how do I do this on myself? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I always do it on other people. In fact, I did it on other people from, from 1996 to 2010. I had never done it on myself, really, and I never received it. I, I tried to train my sons when they were little because I used to have chronic mid-back pain and other afflictions, and they were like six and nine, and I tried to teach them how to use it, but they weren't 
the best students. Um, one of them was like, mom, this is so subtle. And I was like, well, learn to understand subtle things and women will love you. <laughs> it's like a training for you, trust me. <laughs> um, so anyway, for, for many years, I just worked right over the body because that's because why would I do any different? Uh, but then one day I accidentally discovered that the phenomena that I was working with over the body, loud spots, spots, soft spots, staticky spots, you know, that I just hang out in until they sounded consonant. Um, I discovered a loud spot about two and a half feet away from somebody in 19, in 2006. And, and I developed this practice of finding these loud spots and using the teeny fork kind of like a magnet or a magnetic stylus. Like I discovered that I could move loud spots with the teeny fork. I call it click, drag, and drop. It's very much like that. Like click, I click into it and then drag it and drop it. <clears throat> and then it wouldn't be loud over here. It would be loud here. So that's what I did. I just found loud spots, dragged them to the middle. <laughs> but this one, when I found it, uh, you know, off of her neck and I brought it to the middle um, was was a really transformative moment. She called me the next day. This woman had all this pain and pulling in her neck and her jaw and her shoulder. She'd been all these different providers and nobody had helped her. And then I <laughs> dragged a loud spot from two and a half feet away from her into her throat. And she called me the next day and she said, all that pain and pulling is gone. And so then I started exploring the atmosphere around the body. And when I did that, I discovered, you know, a tuning fork, almost like an invisible ink decoder. Like you bounce sound off something and you get the ping back, right? It's like radar or sonar. And what I discovered was that there was this whole uh, anatomy and physiology in the magnetic field around the body. It's sort of like hidden in plain view that I discovered was kind of like our personal cloud storage system where all our memories were stored. And so as I was moving a tuning fork slowly through what I now call the biofield, but I didn't then, um, I was finding memories. I was finding traumatic memories and trapped memories and frozen energy in the body's electrical system that I was then breaking up and repatterning and getting to move, uh, basically adjusting the magnetic field. But it took me a really long time to figure out what I was doing. But when I started working off the body, my therapeutic outcomes became really dramatic. And people who had pain for 30 years, it was like gone in one session, or people had massive anxiety disorders, like after three sessions, they hurt so much more functional. People who were depressed, like all these things, right? That when you're when you're out of sorts and you go to a provider, you're really hoping for relief, right? And that's what I was doing with physical, mental, emotional things. And it sort of dawned on me that I kind of had a moral obligation to both understand it, describe it scientifically, and bring it out into the world. And, uh, and so I did. <laughs> it's amazing. So a tuning fork create sound, but also can assess where sound is coming from. Is that correct? Yeah. So if you think about it, like everything in the body is in motion and everything in motion makes waves, right? And, and waves propagate from their source. So you're driving your car and all of a sudden it starts going thunk -a thunk thunk -a, right? So you bring it to a mechanic. Mechanic is really trained to know what different sounds make. So if something is not moving properly, it will make noise. 
And and you can tell by the noise with experience, like, oh, that's your left CV boot, <laughs> whatever. So it's the same thing in the human body. If everything in the body is in order, then the body gives off coherent waves. But mm-hmm. if something is out of order, if, if uh, somebody has fatty liver, for example, the waves that are being generated by that are going to be incoherent. And so a tuning fork works with the principles of resonance and entrainment, which is why I love them so much as a low-tech solution. Because let's say that you have um, a lot of sharp pain in your shoulder, and I hold a vibrating tuning fork over that, right? The emanations, the vibrational emanations from that pain zone are going to be incoherent. And actually, if you have sharp pain, the tuning fork actually might sound loud, Uh, If you have arthritis in this shoulder, but not this shoulder, the tone coming off this shoulder is going to be grainy. Any place where there's arthritis, the pingback is grainy, right? So, So any kind of disorder that you've got has a specific frequency signature of imbalance that it is radiating. And so the tuning fork will find these areas where the signal is wonky. And so it will initially resonate with it. That's how it's a diagnostic. So we just stop in these areas where it's incoherent, and then we just stay with it. And a strong coherent signal will overtake and entrain a weak incoherent signal. So essentially the body uses a tuning fork like a mirror to help reflect back what is out of order. And then because it's producing a strong coherent signal, it entrains the body into a more coherent expression which essentially leads to relaxation. Like that is the fundamental thing that's really going on in this work. It's really the only claim I make is that any place where there's noise going on, there's some kind of tension that's stopping the body from expressing itself in its uh, accurate, you know, balanced way. And so this reflection, this mirror, this metronome that the body is using will help it fundamentally to relax. And then people will breathe and then their body will fix itself. It's pretty much, it's very simple. Yeah, it makes sense though. You know, healing happens when you're in a more of a parasympathetic state. And if a person isn't in that state, if they're in a sympathetic state and they're always just like stressed out and high tension, then, you know, how's the body going to heal? So, um, you know, it makes complete sense to me. I, I Real quickly, you said before, um, um, like you drag the sound to the center of the body. Uh, I'm curious if you can talk about that, why more, and also the differences between you initially started working on on a person's body and then moving away from the body and like do different distances away from the body uh, uh, um, determine different things? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, it's kind of complicated to show you the map, but um, I I ended up mapping the field around the body. I discovered through many, many people and just kind of combing my fork through and sort of pattern recognition that, uh, that there was a whole anatomy and physiology that was going on there. So what it appears to me is that when you go through your day and you think your thoughts and you feel your feelings and you have your inputs and outputs, everything in your body, all of that is recorded in your body's electrical system. It's all, all an electrical impulse, the thoughts, the feelings, what you see, what you hear, right? 
And so this is causing your body to generate particular responses, waveforms. And so this is all being recorded. Every single, like, like you know, a recording cloud, like every single keyboard, you know, is, is going, is getting recorded. And so every time we feel a particular way, we generate a particular waveform. Like when you feel sad, right, that there's a particular sentiment, there's a particular sense of that, right? Like that you can, when, when you're sad, your pets can tell you're sad because pets vibrate in the same language that we do. It's a particular tone. And so every time people feel sad, the record of that gets laid down off their left shoulder. So what I would find is people would come in, they're like, oh, my left shoulder hurts. And I'd poke around in there and I'd discover that they'd been generating a lot of sad emotions that maybe they hadn't been expressing. And so there was, there's an actual mass to this, which is kind of surprising. So what I, what I got in the habit of doing like early on uh, was this feeling like, the very first tuning forks that I got were the C major scale. And they said, you use C in the root chakra, D in the sacral, E in the solar, F, G, A, B. So I started doing that, right? I'm just kind of exploring using not weighted forks on the body, but unweighted forks like this, you know, just activating them and kind of scanning. Mm -hmm. So when I found out these the loud spots, I was like, it would be quiet. Let's say I was working in the heart. It would be quiet right over the heart, but then it might be really loud over here. And maybe they have pain in that shoulder, right? And so very curiously, I just kind of like, well, an energy center should be loud. Like that's what I thought. Like it should be loud in the center, not like off on the left shoulder. So really oddly, you know, I discovered this ability for the tuning fork to kind of act like a magnet and 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 do what is essentially a magnetic adjustment where we're moving the magnetic field and that's shifting the way electricity is running through the body. So magnetic fields, this is something we know from science that magnetic fields actually guide and inform electric currents. So when we, when we work at the level of the magnetic field and we find the imbalances in the way that the electricity is flowing through the body, rather than trying to fix it at the level of the body, we fix it at the level of the field or the blueprint or the pattern that is defining the way electricity is moving. Mm -hmm. Can you can you talk more about the body in the sense of it being an electric body, the electric field? Like I'm assuming that we must have magnetic poles, if that's the case also. Now a short break from the episode. Friends of the Truth is our membership community where we offer six live calls a month to our members, diving into a various array of topics um, that are very prominent on our podcast, such as German New Medicine, astrology, nervous system. Plus, each month we bring on a previous podcast guest and we have a members-only live conversation and Q&A for our members, plus a live teaching and just an awesome Telegram community, a way to really be connected uh, to amazing truth seekers from all around the world. So to learn more about that and become a member of our community uh, to support your journey on your authentic path, you can head to friendsofthetruth.co. Back to the episode. Anything that has electric current running through it has a magnetic field around it. This is just science 101, right? This is something we all learned in elementary school. So the human body has electricity in it. And most people realize this, that their heartbeat is electric, that their brain waves are electric, that their blood might be carrying a charge. Uh, even more than that, your fascia and your collagen are all semiconductors. Your bones are electric. Like 
that is what determines whether you are alive or dead is is your electrical system on now in western medical perspective there isn't an acknowledgement of an electrical system in the body. It's really a case of we're not seeing the forest for the trees because we see these bits and pieces of electric, but we don't realize that there's a current running through us and that that is our aliveness, right? So to me, the, the body's electrical system in its entirety or the biofield is the electric current that runs through us and the magnetic field that surrounds us. And this field is shaped like a torus. It's actually a bubble and it has a membrane. So some of the esoteric renderings of the aura show like seven different bodies and they're dense and then they become more and more fine and sort of fade out. That's not what I found. As I'm sort of poking around in the atmosphere around the body, consistently I came up against like a membrane about six feet away from people and discovered that, wow, we actually are in this little like bubble of electromagnetism. And in what I call the biofield anatomy, uh, when I start at that, that boundary, that outer boundary, the, the boundary itself is maybe about a half inch to three quarters inch thick, a plasma, double layer plasma membrane. And within it, I would find, and I still do find, um, Whatever happened to you in gestation, just inside that is birth. And it's really like dropping a needle on an album and reading the vibrational record of somebody's life as I pass through the field. So if I'm working on somebody who's 60, I'm going to find memories that were generated when they were 30, about three feet away from them. And mm -hmm. if I find it off the right shoulder, like a loud, noisy spot there, I will say uh, around the age of 30, you were really busy taking care of everybody else's needs except your own. <laughs> and they'll be like, that's exactly what was going on, right? So there's a, this whole language that over 27 years I've decoded in the overtones and the undertones in these spots where things go atonal. I can tell the emotions that were involved. Sometimes I can tell very distinctly what it is. Like I worked on somebody not that long ago and I was going through his field and I hit this spot and the fork started making such a wonky sound and he could hear it and I could hear it. And he was like, wow. He's like, what the heck is that? And so I plotted it on the timeline and I said, this is something uh, pretty dramatic that happened when you were around 18. And he said, oh, that's when I went through the windshield of a car. And so that memory, right, I could find it very specifically. And you think about the experience of going through a windshield and the aftermath and how much dissonance is created in all of that. And so this idea that memories are in our brain and that our mind is inside our body uh, is completely the opposite of what I found in this model. Your body is actually inside your mind and your memories are in this cloud around you. And which means that you are viewing everything in this moment through the filter of everything you've experienced. Very resonant with the Walter yeah. Russell there, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So it's it's kind of like the. Feet. Well, six, six feet is the aura in human design as well, right? Yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, the rings of an oak tree that store this information from, you know, evolution yeah. gone by. Yeah. Yeah, similar for sure. Fascinating. So I guess based on the hermetic principle as within, so without, you would then make the conclusion that the universe we live in is electric as well, right? Well, exactly. And that was one of the things that I discovered when I was doing research for 
my master's thesis uh, back in 2009, 2010, 11, uh, I I wrote a master's thesis called Exploring the Effects of Audible Sound on the Human Body and Its Biofield. And just prior to starting that research, uh, my son came to the dinner table one night and he said, did you know there's a fourth state of matter called plasma? And I was like, this was 2009. I was like, solid liquid gas. No, I think somehow I missed an entire state of matter. And then I I started researching it and discovered that our whole atmosphere is electric, right? We are electric. Our atmosphere is electric. Like everything is kind of a plasma. And, uh, and this has really been hidden from us. Now, there's a lot more people like back in 2010, 2011, I'd give lectures and like, who's heard of plasma? No blood plasma, but the other plasma. Nobody would raise their hand. Like nobody. And then, and now much more do. But what I found is that our cosmological story is really all about darkness and separation. And, and the, the, the states of matter that are illuminated and connecting, like plasma and ether, are absolutely removed from our, our cosmology. Mm-hmm. With the effect of making everyone feel disconnected, like, why are we seekers, right? When we're searching for the light. <laughs> And, and the light is really hidden. It's the fact that, that our, our biofield, our electrical system is our illuminated body. I would even go so far as to say it's what we call our soul. And so this sort of cleaving out this separation of like spirituality and science that this, uh, that our illuminated light body is actually a biological ingredient in us right and that's all been hidden so when i found plasma and i and i started to understand the body's electrical system and i realized wow the same light that powers me powers the sun the stars lightning lightning bugs i think it's all connected it's all one light like that i stopped seeking like that that was the end of self-help books where i was like oh that's the light within and it's a real thing (laughs) yeah so how does one continue to i guess nurture and strengthen this electric current this light you know this 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 aliveness i guess that's the the question right yeah well i wrote a whole book on that (laughs) electric body electric health and kind of definitely goes into that uh so there's a bunch of different ways first and foremost like we can go we can go for weeks or months some people go for a long time without food uh we can go for days without liquids we can only go a few minutes without breath so breath is really where we're getting most of our life force from, is from breath. Because we live in a plasma environment. Like when you go to the beach and it's ionized environment, you are getting all of this electric charge in your breath. Same when you go to the forest, right? Forest bathing in a, in a plasma-rich environment, it is uh, recharging. We get recharged, right, in these kinds of environments because of the, the density of plasma that's there. So the most important thing we can do for our electric health is to breathe fully, freely, openly in a relaxed way. Like I say to people, the, the quality of your breath is directly equal to the quality of your life. The degree of freedom in your breath is directly related to the degree of freedom in your life. And most people I've found hold their breath, have restricted breath, have shallow breathing, 
uh, slump, doom scroll, <laughs> just don't don't breathe sufficiently. And that's why in biofield tuning, what we're doing is we're getting you to relax this subconscious tension from these old trauma responses that are still lodged in and informing your electrical system to unwind and open those so that your breath can flow more freely into your whole being. Uh, so, so breath, like number one. Um, but also anything that that raises our energy, singing, dancing, laughing, um, hugging, right? When we hug or we make love, we're making charge through that. Uh, doing what I call following our ahs instead of uggs. And a lot of people are guilt and duty bound to do the things that, you know, you think about doing something and you either are like, yeah, or you're like, ugh. <laughs> And so the more your life is about the ahs, uh, the more you're going to raise your voltage. Yeah. Um, another one that's really key is allowing emotional energy to flow. We've been so conditioned to judge, arrest, suppress, block, drown our emotions. And so an emotion is a wave. It gets generated in our electrical system. It rises up. It crests. Ideally, it moves through. And then it passes, but we we put all these freezes and locks into not allowing emotions to flow. And what that does is it creates resistance in your electrical system, which causes your voltage to drop. So authentic allowing of whatever is arising and figuring out effective, appropriate diplomatic ways to allow these waves to move through us is really key as well it's huge i mean even we've talked briefly about human design just in terms of you know half the population is more designed to be navigating through emotional waves you know even just to be able to come to a much more a clear understanding of how to respond in life but yeah i, I mean emotion's huge you know and i love everything you're talking about i love that you brought up hugs like i have to say i'm a big um i'm a connoisseur of hugs but like you give great hugs you give a great hug. And I've been told I give great hugs. So when I hugged you, <laughs> I went, okay, I, 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 I like Eileen. I like how she hugs. And it's, there's, there's, there's healing that happens through it. Obviously we all know about the power of touch, but the energy behind the act of hugging is extremely important. And I think underrated. Yeah. I think that, you know, in 2020, right. When we stopped having gatherings and prior to that, I was teaching biofield tuning classes regularly, speaking at conferences. And the nature of biofield tuning classes is that they're very heart opening and very empowering and embodying. And so at the end of these classes, and I get 25 people, I get 25, like good, strong, like open hearted hugs, right. It's medicine. And I definitely became bereft of hugs when when we weren't getting together. And then when when things started back up again, like that was the first thing I was going for is like, hug me. <laughs> yeah, it's such it's such an affirmation of of life and heart and connection and uh and and it does generate electricity in your body too. Yeah. Uh, so I love a much it. better person, by the way, the hug. I no, you can't. No, yeah. I, I really do. I feel like I have. I, I might have to create my own little, uh, my own little hugging anatomy. <laughs> but just I'm saying, in terms of like, you hug someone, and you know how they do it. If they like step back from you, and I get it. People have their own stories and trauma around it. But it's really interesting to notice. Anyways, I love hugs, so I just wanted to highlight. That. <laughs> it's good for your electric health. So yeah. this might be your magnus opus, bro. Think of the ready for the book. <laughs> the power of hugs. The power of hugs. <laughs> 
Eileen. Where, real quickly, where does I would, I'm just curious, like the term biofield, like where where does that come from? And and obviously, some people would consider this more alternative. But are are people in the mainstream more like are they open to this? Do they talk about this this stuff? Uh, there's a kind of willful ignorance around it, I would say. So when when I realized that it was my job to bring biofield tuning to the world, uh, which I was slightly mortified about, you know, God made it really clear. It's like, no, I mean, this is your job. You're going to go, you know, cover the world with biofield tuning, go to college, get degrees, learn and teach about sound, uh, understand the science of it, have peer-reviewed published papers. Like all of this came to me as sort of a, what I call my prime directive um, one day. I was actually making kettle corn and like in the process of, I, I actually had the first kettle corn available in stores back in 2004. You know, now it's everywhere. But in 2004, you couldn't buy kettle corn in a store. And so I was in wow. Vermont making maple organic kettle corn and blowing it up. Like I, I got, I created such an addictive recipe and it was just flying off the shelves. I was in 50 stores, I was hand popping it all. And I was in the process of getting ready to automate it. And I was going to automate it, blow it up, sell it to Frito-Lay and retire. And that was my game plan. And I was like, I can't lose. It's got a great profit margin. It's perfect entry into the market. Like it's a proven product. Like I'm going to kill this. And then that's when I discovered stuff in the field. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. And then I just got this download one day that started off and it said, the world needs harmony more than it needs another snack food. <laughs> and you need to go to college and get degrees and like do this. I was like, okay, you can't really argue with that. So I sold my popcorn business and I enrolled in college as an adult and never went to college out of high school. So when I was working on my master's thesis, I was searching in places like PubMed and Medline for aura and human energy field, and I wasn't finding anything. And I was like, what am I even doing trying to write an academic treatise on an esoteric topic? Right? They just don't mm -hmm. go hand in hand. But then I read this book called The Energy Healing Experiments by Gary Schwartz, and in it, I was introduced to the term biofield. And so when I went in and started searching biofield, I found research by people who are actually good friends of mine now. Dr. Shamini Jan, uh, Dr. Paul Mills, um, uh, you know, a handful of other people, Beverly Rubick, uh, James Oshman, like people who were doing the science in this field. So the term biofield was coined in, I think, 1994 by a panel of National Institute for Health Scientists. Uh, to describe the field of energy and information that surrounds and penetrates the human body. I've adapted the definition. I've gone kind of gone rogue and changed it uh, because because I, I think that one of the things that happens in our culture is we get we're so conditioned to look at things in parts and pieces. And, you know, people talk about their nervous system, like, right, we had this conversation, um, you know, my, my nerve, I need something for my nervous system. It's not just your nervous system. It's like your whole body. It's your electrical system in entirety, the way that your heart is beating, the way that you're breathing, the way that the feelings that you're feeling, right? These are all waves and currents and flows of information moving through your entire electrical system, your bones, like everything, right? So... So biofield was originally coined to just describe the, the magnetic field, which, you know, might be magnetism and it might be something else, you know, some other subtle energies that we don't understand. <laughs> uh, but what I've come to see as somebody who's had my hands in it for decades now 
is that you can't separate the electric current that's beating your heart, that's making you breathe, that from the magnetic field. Like it's all on the same thing. It's all the same thing. So I changed the definition of the biofield to be the body's electrical system in its entirety. Electricity in the body and the magnetism that surrounds it. Is, are there tools to measure? Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even an EKG is, is measuring the electrical activity of your heart. An EEG is measuring the electrical activity of your brain. Right. Okay. So, so we definitely have tools that are measuring the electricity in the body. There was a device created in the fifties called a squid magnetometer, super quantum, blah, 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 oh. that uh, was able to measure the magnetic field of the heart of 12 or 15 feet away. Wow. So the technology to measure these things uh, is out there. Um, but, you know, it's considered a battleground <laughs> that this whole idea of the biofield is like because there's people who are still questioning the existence of it, which I think is completely ridiculous. And like anything that has electric current running through it has a magnetic field around it. End of story. Like, what are we even arguing about? Right. And certainly with a tuning fork, like anybody, I could teach either one of you guys in 15 minutes how to comb through the field, how to find these places where there's something off in the field. You can feel it. You can hear it. You can sense it. I can teach. I taught my six year old how to do it. Like it is it is not so subtle that you need to have like superpowers or be psychic. It's very, very evident. In fact, this new fork. This 144 hertz fork, whenever you put it over something that's wonky, you hear so much in the overtones and undertones. In fact, I, uh, I was in a motorcycle accident last summer and I fractured the outside of my left ankle. Mm. And everybody who came to visit me, I made them raise the tuning fork up over my ankle because you could absolutely hear and feel the break. It would go up over my, my broken ankle. I was like, wonka, 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 wonka. And it went up over the other one. I was like, whoop. So it's so obvious. It's it's just so obvious. So is this uh, because the, the fracture? No so the, the fracture in the ankle creates an equivalent fracture in the biofield outside of it. So the electric current, where it's I guess being impacted, then has its own resonance in the biofield. Well, I would say that the bio the the field is an exploded view of what's going on in the body, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you get furniture and you have put together yep. and it shows you the exploded view, like the screw goes in here, right? Mm -hmm. so, so it's kind of like that. So anything that's going on in the body can be found in the field. So if you think about a fracture and there's a broken bone, there's a break in the, the signal that's being given off from the body. Mm -hmm. And so that signal, you can find it in the field. So if the bone is broken and you pull a fork up over it, you hear the break in, in the sound. Yeah. So yeah. would you say, would you use the word like distorted, like distortion, like in the field? Yeah. Distortion, noise. Um, th those are the big ones. I have all kinds of things like wonkiness. <laughs> like I use all kinds of non-technical lingo. Um, but yeah, distortion is, is probably the truest one. We talk about like signal to noise ratio and, uh, and any kind of, you know, the more traumas we've had, physical, mental, emotional, the more micro tensions we have, the more distortion that's going on. And our culture is massively distorted. And we're, we're lied to, right? It's the upside down backwards world. <laughs> Everything we're told has, is a lie. 
And so we're living with the 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 sort of your own senses being like, then you know, second guessing yourself because you're told one thing. And so, and we're also downstream of generations of trauma. So we've inherited all of that. I mean, all you have to do is like walk through an airport and you look at people. Like people are distorted looking. They're, they're not healthy. They're just full of um, distorted food, distorted information, distorted music, distorted relationships, distorted thinking, suppressed emotions. <laughs> like their signal, most people's signal is a reflection of the incredibly distorted world that we're in. Yeah. And you can see it like beyond, obviously you can see it through their eyes, like the color of skin, but just the energy coming off of them. You know, yeah. it's, it's very noticeable, I find. You very know, noticeable. I'm with someone who is not as distorted. You know, there is there is harmony. You know, the way they look at you, the way they hug you, the way they just feel, it's really, uh, it's extremely noticeable. Yeah, coherence and incoherence is another phrases mm -hmm. that I use. And when the system is coherent, it's all in order. Everything hangs together. It all makes sense. It's all, every, you know, you, it's like a symphony <laughs> uh, versus incoherent when there's all kinds of, colliding and clashing and dissonant things going on. And then that affects your health, obviously, right? Because if your system is coherent and all of your flows and rhythms and patterns and tones are all groovy, then you're going to be radiantly healthy. Um, but if you're full of signal jammers and restrictions and self-loathing and not good enough, and then, then that's going to get reflected in your body. Yeah. Have you noticed, because we mentioned it before that like you said, one of the main things about what you do is bring more relaxation to the body. And, you know, from, from my experience that like the body begins healing once it's, it feels it's safe to like it's in that. So when you do this work, do you notice people afterwards have like a, a healing, I don't want to say a crisis, but like, like, like what some people would call a detox, but like they're, they're, they go through a sound healing and their body gets to a place. Okay. Now we can heal. And then maybe they have a rash. Maybe they have cold and flu symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, all that. In fact, I used to call it a detox response, but now I call it a cleaning response. Uh, that it's an opportunity for the body to clean out because wherever you've had tension, like that's a neighborhood the garbage trucks haven't been able to go into. And as soon as you start to relax that tension and all that waste, you know, cellular waste and uh, maybe trapped emotions that you were holding there will start to let go. So, so mucus is definitely something like flu-like symptoms, mm -hmm. fatigue, waves of emotion. You know, people all of a sudden when you're relaxing the, the tension that's holding back anger and all of a sudden that lets go, like that anger could really come out. It can be very alarming for people who've been conditioned to hold things in. Uh, but in biofield tuning, we say better out than in because when we hold things in, it creates a breakdown of order, structure, and function. So we want to get these things out. Uh, people can have headaches. They can have strange dreams. They can have rashes uh, for sure. Um, they can vomit. <laughs> That's happened uh, sometimes. Um, they can feel very vulnerable. Uh, they can get scared quite honestly, because it's not comfortable. They can definitely experience discomfort for a day or two or even three. But if you don't get scared and you don't judge it and you just take good care of yourself as these things are discharging, you come out the other side into this place of where you feel lighter, where you feel more spacious, where you feel like you're expanding into your potential. 
Um, if you don't have an internal cleaning response, very often people have an external cleaning response. Well, they will go out and they'll bust clutter, they'll get rid of things, they'll bring deep order to something that's been in chaos. Because as within, so without. And as we become more orderly inside, it's much easier to keep order around us. Yeah. I mean, I found that even just in my years of being a body worker, I don't really focus on that anymore. And the intense work that I did, like just bringing more coherence or bringing emotions that allow emotions to come out because you're breaking down some of the armoring. There's more blood flow, lymph flow, electric flow, et cetera. And it's, you see these the impact on these people's lives, you know, uh, where it's like all of a sudden, like they shift their relationships, you know, they make different decisions, you know, like look at themselves in the mirror and they talk to themselves in a different way. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. All that. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people change so much get out of addiction, leave bad relationships, leave bad jobs, you know, start taking really good care of themselves, respecting themselves, honoring themselves, and creating much healthier bodies and lives from relaxing. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the impact of like, obviously, this increased technological world and, you know, technological use on, on, on the biofield, Wi-Fi, you know, radiation, the phone constantly on our hands six, seven hours a day? Well, it definitely has an impact. I mean, it's making me think of this morning, beautiful morning here in Vermont. I went out for a walk. I live next to a nature preserve, uh, but I live in an apartment building, an apartment building that's next to other apartment buildings in an urban environment. And I was walking back towards my building and all of a sudden I, I hit this place where my body just felt really weird and my breath caught in my chest and my energy felt scrambled. And I looked at where it was and I realized that this is where the Wi-Fi signal for my building kind of ends, mm. right? Because <laughs> I've checked, I've, I've hit this before where I heard it as like a, like a high-pitched whine, like how people, some people have tinnitus, right? And it's because of all of the Wi-Fi. So, so I really felt the impact of it. So we're in this soup of these waves that are incoherent, that are heavy, uh, that are scrambling to our own systems. And um, and they definitely, definitely impact us. Uh, I'm so horrified by things like Apple Watches, uh, Fitbits, um, the earbuds, that wireless earbuds, things like this that are putting electric signal into our body all the time, ca carrying around your phone in the same pocket all the time definitely has been shown to break down uh, the signaling in your own body, right? So it's very easy. Part of the reason why there haven't been a lot of resources available about our body's electrical system. Okay. There's a guy by the name of, um, wrote a book called The Body Electric and Cross Currents. Robert O. Becker wrote these books in the early 80s. And then there was nothing followed up on it. And he talks about the body's electrical system, right? 1982. The part of the reason why this has been like, oh, that is not, you know, that's nonsense, kind of pseudoscience sort of thing is because the telecom industry is huge. And they, you know, this whole, everything, they're like, oh, it's fine. 5G is fine. It's fine. To, you know, you don't have an electrical system. You don't worry about it. All right. So people who've done this research end up coming out and speaking out against all of this, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't speak out against things. What I advocate for 
is that we're like cockroaches, we're super adaptable, we're super resilient. And if you have high voltage, like strong voltage, like you've maximized your electrical flow and you have a clear signal and you're very centered, you will have a strong membrane like your shields are up, right? Star Trek, like shields are up. <laughs> and and I'm able to adapt to this environment. I can I can move around in this environment and I can adapt to it and I can even thrive in it. So that's my philosophy. Yeah. But my observation has been that if people's shields go down through adrenal burnout, through any kind of health crisis, which is usually on the heels of some kind of emotional crisis, um, once your shields go down, it's very hard to get them back up in this environment. It's, like, it's a real thing, EMF sensitivity, and people having to like get away from like that experience that I had with like, this whole apartment building and all the Wi-Fi signals hit me all at once. If I didn't have a really strong, coherent signal and the ability to like recognize what that was and kind of shake it off and adapt and like puff out my own signal and affirm my own coherence, right? Then, so this is what I advocate for, like the tuning forks, being mindful of electric health can keep your signal strong and clear, even in this kind of environment. And I think that that's what we should aim for instead of being scared or buying devices or trying to mitigate or being fearful. You know, I see people with these things around their necks or, you know, these devices and things. I'm like, that's a false idol that you're worshiping. You think that this little device is more powerful than your mind? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I, I'm really all for like our minds are incredibly powerful and and you're better off figuring out how to use your mind as a shield than you are giving your power away to some button to put on your phone. Yeah. You're speaking my language, you know, because I was going to ask you, like, you know, why is it that, you know, some people seem to be more electrically sensitive or EMF sensitive than others? And uh, I think the fear piece is is huge, you know, and everyone just worrying about EMFs all the time. And I remember, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, when I got more into this, I, I definitely was like, I have to mitigate everything. Then just something happened in me where I was like, I my I'm Superman. Like, you can't fuck with me. Like, yes, <laughs> I look outside, I see fucking things in the sky, whatever. Cool. Keep doing your thing. You ain't going to mess with me. You know, and that's kind of like the I keep reaffirming that and trying to keep my vitality up. Because what I'm going to do, there's a lot of things that are out of my control. And so I'm going to sit there and worry and be in fear all the time that like, you know, 5G is going to get me or people that have a cell phone next to me are going to get me. Like, I just don't think that's a way to live. So I love your explanation of it. It's like, how do we give, bring our vitality up? Uh, how do we put up the the force fields around us and go on and live in our life, being joyful, full of life, full of light and giving our gifts in the world? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, what makes me think of how Alec... Uh, our friend Alex Zek was pointing out that the people most likely to get COVID were people who had fear disorders in the first place. And when fear has a, the, the frequency signature of fear is, it's kind of like the Jaws soundtrack captured it really well. And when we're really scared, that waveform actually causes us to shake because that is the, the nature of it. So you're running at a double beat all the time, which means you, you're, your gas mileage is cut in half. <laughs> getting through your day. So your vitality drops fully 50% if you're running fear or anxiety continuously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say even like, you know, drug and alcohol use and abuse can probably weaken someone's signal as well and cause distortion. Yeah. I, yes. 
And what is really going on is that the person has had so much trauma that they are using that to mitigate the trauma, right? So it isn't even that the alcohol or drug is secondary to what's going on in their system. Like I recently worked with a client who, when I'm, I'm listening, and I can do this over Zoom, I could just pretend that they're right in front of me and like just a hold a fork right here and listen to their signal. And this person's electrical system was just on fire, that they had clearly had so much trauma that was just like everything inside of them was like, ah, it was so intense, right? And, and they confessed to me that they drank seven to eight beers a night and so that they could have like an hour or two where they weren't experiencing that. Okay. And so I was able to validate them. I was like, of course you have figured out what gives you relief, right? Like the, this, the reason why you're using alcohol is because it works. It mm -hmm. works to settle down and to, and to quiet that fire that's going on in you all the time. So if you try to get somebody off of an addiction without solving the problem that they're trying to solve with the drug, right? Because, because what I say is that most of our disorders, no matter what they are, are tension-based. And, and so this was an incredible amount of tension and a need to hold it in. That addiction was trying to relieve that tension, mm -hmm. right? So we've had a lot of success with addiction by going in and like getting the ants out of your pants. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, don't take away what I'm using to manage the ants in my pants. This is the only thing that, that is doing that. I'm going to go in and I'm going to remove the ants so that then you're not feeling like you need to, to go to that drug to solve the problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true. You know, you got to get to the foundation of it. And the foundation. If they don't, they're just going to keep using the thing that makes them get some level of relief and feel a little bit more regulated, whether it's for a few hours or for, you know, whatever the time period may be. So, um, yeah, I've got to get to the root. Uh -huh. with, with everything, right? And that's the beautiful thing, at the, because everything is in the biofilm. And, and one of the things that I love about tuning is, is that it's so, the language of vibration is so pure and what's in the field, like you can't hide anything, right? This is what's really going on. So it enables me to like get right into like, what is going on here? Where is it? What's it related to? What is the pattern? Is this an ancestral pattern? Is this a, from a birth trauma? Is this precognitive under the age of three that then set up this pattern that you've been repeating over and over again? And to actually get into the wiring and rewire it. This is what I call myself a bioelectrician because we're, we're really technicians who are rewiring the system. This is why this discrepancy between the 5% of the conscious mind and the 95% that's unconscious. And you can be like, I'm going to quit. And that 95% is just flowing along those established pathways. And so we go in and we change, we literally change the way electricity is flowing in the body and the mind which makes it much easier to then engage in healthier actions. Do people love, do people, yeah. the reason people love Sorry, nature just, is... Just, oh. just quickly. Yeah, so I totally agree with you. I think my, my comment, because like even you notice like someone has a big night and the next day like their defenses are down. If they're hungover, they're feeling murky, they're feeling... I was thinking maybe they'd be more likely to be impacted by, you know, these external distortions in the field, be it EMF, be it whatnot. 
you smoke a joint the next day, you're a bit lazy, you're feeling off, you know, I was thinking maybe one's aura could be weakened through that as But yeah, I hear you completely. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, too much poison, right, of any kind is going to affect us. And really, everything is poison. It's all about the dosage. So, you know, I'm a big fan of poisons. Like, I love all the things. Um, but I'm interested in, like, how much of this pleasurable poison can I successfully metabolize right now? And, and to not go beyond that. Because because all or nothing is not a happy way to live. So okay. I think it's really important to master moderation personally. <laughs> uh, the reason people feel amazing in nature is because you say nature is harmonized. And then they come back into the unnatural world and distortion becomes more of the status quo. Would you agree mm -hmm. with that statement? Yeah. I mean, nature is harmony. Nature is coherent. It all hangs together. The, the fundamental ground state of reality is is harmony. Yeah. I remember a story of, this was like 13 years ago. I went and backpacked for like a week through like, where was the Kings Canyon National Park? And like, I was like trekking like 15 miles a day, like just, just putting so much energy into this, going to sleep, you know, with the sun, waking up when the sun was going down, waking up and having all this energy, even though I was exerting so much and then I flew back to New York City in my fifth fifth floor walk up apartment, and then like couldn't even get out of bed, like for for like fifteen hours. It was very interesting. Like I wasn't tired as I was doing the thing. I don't know. And then just being in New York, living in New York was a whole different thing. It cost me even to move to Los Angeles because I wanted to be even closer to nature in that regards. So I don't know. Interesting. Uh, well, that just makes me think about hitting the Wi-Fi of my building. Yeah. This morning, you know, I was out in the nature preserve. I felt clear. I felt great. I felt light. I felt good. And then whoo, I hit that Wi-Fi wall and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I, I was able to identify that like somebody else who doesn't know what's going on might be like, oh, feeling good. And then all of a sudden hits that and it's like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? Yeah, right. Yeah. I feel bad all of a sudden without realizing that they're being impacted by their environment. And and I I was even like maybe I need to move <laughs> like that's what I thought this morning like there's something to be said for being adaptive but there's also something to be said for reducing exposure yeah for sure for sure now a short break from the episode just a reminder guys there's only two weeks left to sign up on early bird pricing for rise above the herd round eight this is as cheap as you'll be able to purchase it for round eight you can head to riseabovetheherd.co if you want to really engage in eight weeks of deep transformation that will have profound impacts for the rest of your life. Back to the episode. Can you give like a, a few other things that come to mind, case studies of something just like amazing that came up in a session where you, you had the tuning forks and then something came to you and you brought it, you kind of mirrored it back to the client and they were just like, wow, that's incredible. Uh, well, one example comes to mind. I mean, certainly there have been many, right? Yeah. So many. I, this this work has been endlessly fascinating because it's really given me the opportunity to get inside people's minds and observe like patterns of mind. And it's really taught me a lot about what it means to be a functional human because I get in and understand some kind of imbalance that was there and I'd be like, oh, I do that. <laughs> oh, I do that too, right? So it's really granted me a lot of wisdom seeing the different ways that the human mind and spirit can go out of alignment and create trouble. Uh, 
But like a really common ailment out there is people with hip issues, right hip issues, left hip issues, low back. Uh, and I treated more people with right hip issues than left. What I discovered in the biofield anatomy uh, is that the right hip, when people's right hip, they get sciatica or they get pain and discomfort there. It's because the area of the field off the right hip relates to overthinking and overdoing and what I call busy mind, busy body. And it's very often involves projecting ourselves into the future and like running future scenarios or running to-do lists or, uh, you know, fearful thoughts just about the future. And so I was working with this one woman who was a runner and she came in because she had pretty significant right hip pain was stopping her from running. And I, I get in and, and I, I'm holding the fork, you know, maybe 10, 12 inches off of her right hip. And it's so loud and so grindy there. And, and I'm feeling into it and talking to her. And it turned out that she had been perseverating on whether she should leave her husband now or wait until their son graduated from high school. And she was, her mind was constantly spinning out the scenario. I'm going to leave it now, I'm going to wait, I'm going to leave it, right? Mm -hmm. So perseverating, so imbalanced. And, and that was not happening inside her head. It was happening off of her right hip. So because she's adding so much energy to the magnetic field there, it pulled the electricity in her body over the, the outside of her right hip. So pain can be like too much voltage through the wires and there was nothing physically wrong with her right so i did an adjustment on her strained it out and then also had to coach her on her the way that she was using her mind hmm. and have her recognize that this imbalanced future-based perseveration was doing her harm so I got a text from her the next day, went for a run, no pain, <laughs> no pain. So these are kind of like what we might call psychosomatic pain, where people have pain, but there is nothing wrong, right? Another example, I, I was working, um, just doing these mini sessions at an event, and this little lady came and sat down. She's like, oh, my left shoulder hurts so much. It's been hurting so much. And, you know, she'd had MRIs and this and that. They're like, they say there's nothing wrong with it, but it hurts so much. <laughs> and so I go poking my fork around off of her left shoulder. And there's this just heavy mass of energy off of her left shoulder, a magnetic blob of heaviness. And I said, have you lost someone close to you in the last year or two? And she said, oh, yes, my husband died 18 months ago, and I'm so sad, and I just can't get over it, and everyone that says I should be, right? And so I just, you know, stuck a fork in that magnetic blob, brought it to center, 15 minutes. And she sat up, and she's like, oh, my God, all the pain is gone, 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 right? So what the, that was psychosomatic pain. That was a buildup of grief that had, was sitting like a heavy little cloud on her left shoulder, pulling all this extra electric energy into it and creating pain. And when we adjust the magnetic field, one acknowledge and witness, right? This is a big part of this work is that I can go in and I can find these things that, um, that surprise people, <laughs> you know, that I'm able to tell what's going on in their, in their body and mind. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I've never told anyone this before, but blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the confession, the witnessing, the adjusting and like, wow, no more pain in my pelvis. 
so fascinating. Yeah, it is so you know, fascinating. And how, and how it can be instant. It can be so instant. I mean, obviously it doesn't work for everything. And I don't work on people who are really ill. I don't work on people who have cancer. When things have gone deeply into the body, they've gone out of our wheelhouse. So this works from like mild to moderate stuff. It's preventive. Uh, it's definitely performance enhancing. Uh, we've seen athletes, you know, you think about an athlete wants to be in a flow state. What is a flow state? It's where you don't have tension. And so we've, so many athletes have uh, had a session or a series of sessions that I ran faster, I jumped higher, I played the best game of golf ever because they're more relaxed. And so, you know, this can be about healing trauma, but at some point or another, I know for me, you know, I kind of went through this threshold where it wasn't really about healing trauma anymore. It was really about accessing and expanding into my human potential and what else is possible. And over the years, you know, I've received thousands of sessions. I've conducted hundreds and hundreds of group sessions that I put myself in. So I've really been the recipient of so much. And what I found is that over time, you become more and more focused lighter, clearer, more effective, more efficient. The fuse gets longer and longer and you become more grounded all at the same time, right? As you transmute and alchemize all of your baggage, all of your non-beneficial inputs, all that heavy old stuck stuff. And I was a master compartmentalizer and stuffer, you know? So I had a lot <laughs> to dig out and to clean up and to reorganize. Um, but then, you know, the, the lightness and the clarity that comes with having a really well-groomed electrical system uh, absolutely maximizes people's human potential. Yeah, it creates your future to a set, in an essence, because if you're, if you're doing this work and you're changing the way you're feeling, you're changing the way you're thinking, you're changing the way you're using language, you know, that just has an impact on every area of your life moving forward. So, I, I mean, I totally see it. And look, with an athlete, let's say he had a game at 1 p.m., would he do like if he was really into this, could he do some work on himself or have someone do it on it like right before? Or would it be something that they'd just be doing ongoing like the day before, the week, the week of, et cetera? Yeah, all of that. You know, like the last few events that I've been at with, with Alex Zek, uh, he's had me give them a tune-up right before he goes on stage. Cool. Right? Yeah. And that last one that he did after him, he was awfully fiery in a way that I've never quite seen him before. So yes, you can, you could do it right before game. You could do it the day before you could do it, uh, you know, cause a lot of people have performance anxiety too. And this really yeah. settles down that. In fact, we have peer reviewed published studies on, and, um, on anxiety where we had recipients receive three biofield tuning sessions at a distance, one hour a week for three weeks. And all of the markers for anxiety went down, 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 down every week. In fact, we are currently in a three-year uh, follow-up study, fully funded, uh, with 60 participants and a control group that we are doing, uh, again, just for anxiety, generalized anxiety, uh, that we're aiming to get into more mainstream medical journals, like we're in complementary therapies and medicine and explore uh, but really driving into the mainstream and, and driving this whole idea of electric health, uh, you know, describing the science, showing the proof, um, making this available and understood and um, changing the paradigm. I mean, really 
there's a lot of suffering that happens in the chemical mechanical paradigm that doesn't happen in the electrical paradigm. Yeah. I got a quick question. I just want to ask something. Joel, you go first, actually. I probably, like the same you. You probably the same question. You, you mentioned you can do this over Zoom and you can do it yes, remotely. Yes, totally. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to ask. Okay, you guys. <laughs> how, how, how does that work? How, how does this work remotely? Well, <clears throat> for years, people asked me if I could do this work remotely. And I was always like, no. <laughs> what a stupid question. Like, this is sound waves on the body, people. Like, how on earth would I do it at a distance, right? It was very arrogant, very skeptical, very dismissive of the whole nonsense idea. But when I was working on my master's thesis, I befriended a fellow by the name of Dr. Carl Merritt. And the way that I met Dr. Merritt was I came across this like 20 or 30 page PDF online called the State of Energy Medicine Education in America like past and present. And I, and I went through this whole document and I took me a whole day. I followed every hyperlink. And at the end I was like, who wrote this? And you know, who is the person that has this incredible overview of all of this? And it turned out that it was Dr. Merritt. I reached out to him. I told him what I was doing, what I was working on and we became friends. And he actually helped me with my master's thesis quite a lot. And he wrote the foreword to tuning the human biofield. He's an MD. And so Dr. Merritt asked me one day if I wanted to do an experiment and try doing a distant session on him. And yes, I was, you know, I was skeptical, but I also a scientist and I love experiments. And my favorite thing to do is like, let's try this and see what happens. <laughs> and that's the spirit that led me into discovering and developing all of this. So I was game to give it a go, but I was also kind of invested in the idea that it wasn't possible, right? Because that's what I've been saying for years. So the way that it worked was he lay down on a treatment table in his office in California, and I pretended that he was on my treatment table in Vermont, and we didn't have any open line of communication. We weren't on the phone or anything. And so I approached the table as if he was there. Like I, I pretended, and I started to move the fork in, you know, found the edge of the field, started to move it in. And much to my amazement, the same pattern of information that showed up around a person on the table showed up. And I was able to go through his entire field with my forks. And, you know, by that point, I, I really understood the language of vibration. I'd mapped the biofield. So I was able to determine, like, you have inflammation here. This organ isn't functioning right. Your mother has this personality. You hit your head pretty bad when you were five. The ages of 30, 31 were super stressful. Like, I was able to just read everything, right, and adjust it. And, uh, and then we got on the phone, and I went through my notes. And he said, Eileen, all of that is exactly correct. And I, I felt a state change. I felt you work on me, I feel lighter. And I tested my blood sugar before and after, and there was a significant change. <laughs> like, oh, now I have to eat crow. <laughs> like, because it is possible, right? And I didn't, I didn't think that it was. So then, of course, you're like, well, how does that work, right? But it works. So there has to be a natural law. So then the next person that I worked on was my friend, Brendan Murphy. And I don't know if you know him, Rasmus, but I had met Brendan uh, when I was doing research on ether. And I had come across an article that he had on the internet in like 2010 about ether. And it was very helpful. And I was like, who is this guy? And I ended up reaching out to him and we became friends and we were in contact a lot for a few years. 
And as I was working on my master's thesis and my book, and you know, because we we had a lot of uh, pathways of research in common, but he lives in Australia, or he was in Australia at the time, and so I was like, okay, I know it works from Vermont to California, but will it work from Vermont to Australia? And sure enough, like same exact thing, no time lapse, no nothing. So. The way that I describe it, like some people will go into quantum entanglement, but I don't find quantum theory useful. So I don't, I, I, if you look up the word quantum, the definition is very tiny. Like, how is that useful? Right? So I just, I don't use the word. I don't use the concept. But coming back to the cosmological story and the uh, states of matter that are light and connective, the ether, the luminiferous ocean of clear light, the, the fabric of light that all of creation is woven from. So ether is a, a clear light that torsion, waves spinning through, separate into positive and negative charges, and that becomes plasma. So ether spins itself into plasma, and then plasma becomes gases and liquids and solids. But ultimately, every single thing is spun light. It's spun ether. It's all one thing that has knowledge of itself everywhere. So it's everywhere and everything, right? So this is the ether, and it's all one thing. So think about this. If you exist outside of yourself. If your memories are out here, and I can tell you all about you by poking around in your atmosphere. If you're out here, where do you end? I mean, you mentioned six feet before, but obviously that's more than that. Yeah, right? Because because that's just like, that's that's a... It's a plasma barrier, but at the same time, like it's, you know, it's like, it's like hardly there. Right. So, so technically we, we're all ether. We're all infinite. We're everywhere. And that's why, and the ether is also the same thing that we would call the Akasha or the Akashic record. It's a library and everything that ever is, was, or will ever be. And it's right here. I can access everything that ever is, was, or will ever be like right here in this little bit of ether. I can stick a fork in it. And I can immediately, I could tune into either one of you and start to, and be like, okay, this is like pulling a book from a library or a Google Drive doc. I'm going to click on it and be just with my intention, right? And then I can start listening to your signal and working with your signal, just like that. And I'm ready. I'm ready. There we go. You're so ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me explain it because there's more to it than just that, right? Yeah. So when you... Watch a video on YouTube of a really moving piece of music or a beautiful vocalist, piece of music that's so beautiful that it moves you to tears, okay? Do you ever ask, well, what's the science behind that? No. 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 We understand that music moves us. And we don't need a scientific explanation of that. We just know it. We know that we are moved by music, okay? And did you have to be there when that was recorded to be moved by it? No. You can be, you can be moved by something that was recorded 30 years ago, right? So if you watch a recording of me playing my one instrument, you may be moved to tears by that. And it's the same principle in that sound moves us. It moves us. So over Zoom, there are two things going on. One is, is that I'm plucking your file out of the ether, plunking it in front of me and sticking a fork in it. 
and reading it with like sonic braille. You know, just taking your book out of the the Akashic library. And now I'm sonically decoding it. Um, but also I am using sound to move you. And this is this is part of like just repatterning where our our mind, our thoughts, our feelings, our habits are all patterns. And when and people get stuck, I would say the biggest thing that I treat is really if we boil it down, is stuckness. That people get stuck in particular patterns of thought or feeling or dysfunction and they can't get unstuck. And so by rearranging the blueprint sonically, people get unstuck, right? So you're being moved by sound from one pattern or one expression of self into another. I've been grappling with this incessant need to like crack my neck. You've probably seen me do it throughout this entire podcast. Like as long as I can remember, like over over five to ten years, it just makes you wonder, like what you know, what is going on with with these little things that we just come so accustomed to. Well, did you ever have uh, any kind of significant head injury or whiplash when you were younger? It's it's it's. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely driven. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I remember like, you know, riding my bike into a, into a wall, like down a hill, you know, I remember like a rock literally being thrown in my head and like being, you know, I'm sure multiple times. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's what does it. Like I, I treated a fellow once who, whenever he was under stress, his neck would go out and he would have to go to the chiropractor and get it put back in. Right. So what's pulling your neck out? It's your magnetic field. Your bones are electric. So whatever is going on in your magnetic field is absolutely influencing your skeletal alignment. And so as I'm poking around in his field, I discovered that he had a sledding accident when he was four, where he went under a car and it went, it jerked his neck back, like kind of caught him like that. Right. And so there was this big blob of difficulty out there. And when I adjusted it, and this was like, you know, I'm here in Vermont and sometimes we get people, I would get people like their wives would drag in, but they're real Vermont guys, you know, not really inclined to go to teening work sessions. And so I didn't see him after that. And I didn't see him for years until I ran into him in the grocery store. And he was like, I haven't had to go to the chiropractor since you adjusted my neck. Crazy. Right. So, that, so that's something. Another time I worked on a woman who uh, her her right knee was always going out. And she was a chiropractor. She was always having to get her knee readjusted. And so she's on my table and I'm going through the field of her right knee. And I was like, wow. I was like, what happened 15 years ago that's, you know, but that was still going on. Right knee is being blocked moving forward. And she said, oh, I retired and I was about to move to Italy, my lifelong dream when my mother had a stroke and I spent the last 15 years taking care of my mother. Well, that's being blocked moving forward. And she was feeling it acutely. And so she was piling up all of this charge on the outside of her right knee, which kept making her knee go out. And so when I adjusted that, when she got up at the end of the session and swung her leg around, her knee spontaneously self-adjusted. Well, and then I heard from her years later saying that she sent me an email and said, I haven't had to have my knee adjusted since then. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. I'm so curious. What's, what's, um, like, what's exciting for you right now? Like, what's going on in your life? Like, what are you looking forward to, like, with your work or any other new things that are, you know, coming up for you, like new areas of, of research, et cetera? 
Well, a couple of things. So one is that um, I've been moving into voice and how we can use our voice. I'm always interested in like, what's the simplest, easiest, fastest, cheapest, most effective way to fix anything, right? And not everybody can afford tuning forks or tuning, you know, or go to see a practitioner. Uh, but our voices are free and they're available, you know, right, right here and right now. And it's really, it's by our word that we create our life, that the word is creative. And many people use the word very irresponsibly. They do a lot of incoherent drivel or just bleh, bleh, and creating incoherent lives without realizing the seriousness of the power of our own word and voices. And I hooked up with these two Australian brothers named Isaac and Torald Corin. And I had originally contracted with them. They do this service called the Songwriter's Journey, where they help people who are scared of singing in public uh, to overcome that fear. And they co-write and then have and then record songs with you. And so that was what I started doing with them because I'm I'm a big advocate of overcoming our fears. That where there's fear, there's power. Where there's big fear, there's big power. And we want to really transmute and alchemize fear out of our system and, and make that, you know, bring that online in a healthy way that's an ally to you instead of an adversary. And, uh, and then we, I was supposed to go back to their studio in May of 2020, and I couldn't do that. And we ended up very unwittingly and unintentionally co-creating a whole body of work uh, that we teach in a workshop called Sing the Body Electric. But we discovered what we call the sonic anatomy, which is a series of about 40 different sounds that resonate in different areas of the body. And they're all primitive sounds like babies make when babies are exploring the acoustics of their own human instruments. There sounds like goo and ga and da and wa and me and fa, pa, right? Things like that. And we lead people through hours of toning these tones and really bringing the voice into the body, really feeling the resonance. Most people are not comfortable with their voices. They're not comfortable singing in front of other people. They're not comfortable. Many people aren't comfortable speaking in front of people. People are comfortable speaking their truth, speaking up for themselves, advocating for their needs, right? Our voices are very shut down in upside down backwards world. Mm -hmm. And so this is an incredible journey to bring people into their bodies and to be able to sound joyfully from their bodies. And, and it's kind of a backdoor approach. So we'll start off the workshop. We'll have everybody sing happy birthday to themselves because everybody knows happy birthday. Everybody can sing happy birthday in front of other people. And uh, and then we, we go to iTunes everyone. We do breathing exercises. And then we do all of these tones. And then at the end, we have everybody sing happy birthday to themselves again. And it's a completely different experience. People are more soulful, more creative, more playful. They're doing it from the inside out in this joyful, playful way, instead of this self-conscious, awkward, like, how do I sound? I don't like my voice sort of, right? Duality. Uh, because most people are really 
not whole and unified inside. Divide and conquer has taken just about everybody out on the inside. So people are divided into the judge and the part that's judged, the inner critic, the inner victim, uh, attack and defense. Right? There's there's so much sense of inner separation, inner self-loathing, self-judgment, self-criticism, that the freedom that we had as babies to just be like, wah, goo, you know, from a unified, curious place has been stolen from us. And so this is a way for people to experience their own voice playfully in a sandbox way where there's no judgment. You, there's no way to do it wrong. You can make any sound you want. There's no pitch, no key. You know, it doesn't matter. And if it sounds bad, that's okay, right? Just keep on adding air and it'll get better. And so the, the, the people become released into this ability to feel whole and to enjoy their voice without this inner critic judgment thing going on. And, you know, if you guys have ever done any work making music or singing with people, like, you know, that that's like one of the best feelings there is. Like, oh, yeah. I don't even know what feels any better than that, right? And singing with people, right? It's the best. Yeah. And so to, to go through your whole life, never getting to enjoy that uh, that process, this is a terrible tragedy. And so uh, so we do these workshops, Sing the Body Electric workshops, virtually and in person. So if anybody wants to check that out, it's singthebodyelectric.com. Uh, and we want to do more with this. Like, I, I think, you know, it's an eight-hour workshop. I'm like, how can we boil this down to an hour? Like, how can, what are the, like, really great exercises that we can lead you through that just drop you right in your body? Because it's our birthright to be able to sing. Like we're we're born and built as wind instruments and we can make the coolest sounds and we can have so much fun playing with our instruments, with ourselves and with each other. And it's, it's one of the greatest joys and pleasures and gifts of being human. And so uh, to be able to, to give that to people, to awaken to that in themselves is so satisfying. So the combination of the tuning force without and then voice within, like these are tools for really rapid and and lasting uh, change for people to really step into their power, their embodiment, and their enjoyment of the human experience, which is something that I think is getting harder and harder for people to do. Yeah. Everything you said really lands for me. You know, I trained as an actor for many years, and we did so many different vocal exercises. And you know, part of even training as an actor, one of my teachers says it's not about becoming a child, it's about coming back to a childlike state and a childlike place. And, you know, we come to, let's say we, as we age, we get conditioned in so many ways and our voice gets so rigid. So like, if you have a rigid voice, like you're going to be really limited in, in how many characters you, you're able to play or get hired to play. And so we did all different types of vocal exercises to get in touch with all the different ranges and and even just so we can express in different ways, so we can access different parts of us and even just exploring different sounds like of different instruments like with ourselves like i would i would do like a like a deeper resonant sound that came from the chest and it would just bring tears to bring tears to my eyes immediately you know so i i love all that kind of work um there's a book i want to send you i don't know if you've ever, you've ever uh, read it before called uh, dark voices by noah pike and it's about the genesis of the roy hart theater and it's based off of this um i think he was a singing teacher but he um he was in World War One, and when soldiers were dying, they were making these sounds that he had never heard before. And so, like, he had, like, trauma and nightmares because of it. And so he, he part of his training was to recreate these sounds and this whole, like, 
uh, vocal avant-garde theater like uh, evolved from this where like these actors were so like they had such range in their voice and in the work that they were doing anyways it's a fascinating book i love it i think you'd really be into it but um yeah just you know human beings there's a rigidity and so to be able to explore like what does that do to the vitality what does that do to your self-expression which then impacts the rest of your life yeah, I mean, it's so good for your health. It gets the blood moving, it gets the oxygen moving, it gets, uh, it brings in more aliveness, right? And there are lots of studies have been done that show all the biomarkers of health and immunity and that sort of thing go up when we engage in that. So it's, and it's free, you know, it's free to use your voice and to use your voice uh, to heal yourself. You know, it's very, very doable. One more thing. Uh, years ago, I bought this book called The Humming Effect, like the power of humming. Like, what does that do? Like, how, if a person can just like experiment humming and creating vibration in themselves, obviously you can hum with a higher pitch, a lower pitch. Or, um, how does that work? Yeah. And even like what comes to mind for me is like the om. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Om has a hum in it, too. Mm -hmm. You could just hum in so many ways. Yeah. Well, we discovered in the in the sonic anatomy that humming, that Om sound really resonates your whole skeletal system. So you can use and you can really move it around your body. And you can go up and down your spine, your pelvis, your arms, your legs, just concentrated feeling in different places. Um, when you feel in your face and then right, that creates resonance. So uh, it's always a good way. Like if you if you want to make a sound, uh, but you're a little nervous about it, just start with an and then and resonate your face, and then just let any kind of vowel sound come out after that. Uh, but certainly, humming is it's vibrational energy. It's it's kind of like our tuning fork, our weighted tuning forks. Uh, are kind of like putting purring or humming into the body. It's adding energy. It's coherent energy. So it's, uh, you know, the body loves coherent energy inputs. So it's good for you to hum. It's good for you to whistle. Uh, it's good for I don't you know, to... I don't know how to whistle. I don't know how. As Everyone else was able to do it, and I've tried. I, I just don't know how to do it. I need to... I don't know what it is. You never learned how to whistle? I never learned. I like... Funny. Well, That's all I could do. Yeah, I'm sorry. Say, people, no, it's okay. I, people <laughs> make fun of me growing up, so now I'm re-traumatized. Now I'm just played. I'm, so, uh, I'm so embarrassed yeah, for you. I'm going to edit this part of the podcast. I'm joking. <laughs> cool. Very keep cool. Trying. Yeah. <laughs> um. So if someone wants to like start experimenting with the self, like what is the tuning fork that you recommend? Well, it depends, right? It depends on what you want to do. But I would say the tuning fork, there's a couple. Let me demonstrate. Hold on. Let me just grab one here. Okay, so I have a few forks. Uh, this is a weighted fork that is based in the Schumann resonance. So this is 93.96 hertz. This is called the Sonic Slider. It has an extra long handle. It has spread tines. There are now cheap knockoffs on Amazon called Sonic Sliders that are not ours. So please do not go looking on Amazon. <laughs> That's a problem at the moment. Uh, so what we do with this work is we activate it and we slide the handle on the body. So this is kind of like dry brushing. A lot of people are familiar with dry brushing 
where you use a brush to sweep towards the heart in order to stimulate lymph and blood and all of that. So this does the same thing. So you can do it like on your face, on your neck, on your body, on your legs. You just slide everywhere with it. And um, and it gets blood, lymph moving. It helps unwind fascia knots. Mm. Uh, it helps with fluid transfer. So some people lose weight or lose water fluids. Um, some people find that it tightens skin, that it tones muscles. I have little boots that you can uh, put on your hands. So here's a boot. This is called a circuit boot, and it's a little amplifier unit that screws on with a set screw. And you can use that. Uh, like if you have poor digestion, for example, like the, the, your digestive rhythm and your digestive tone are off. Your digestion is sluggish. You can put, you can rub it all over your belly. You can go visit all your organs. And what you're doing is you're putting in rhythm, you're putting in tone, you're putting in energy. And many people have uh, claimed that their digestion has improved, that their food sensitivities have diminished. Um, this is based in the Schumann resonance, the background electromagnetic pulse of the atmosphere, which is 7.83 hertz around. But you can't make a tuning fork that's 7.83 hertz because it would be like four feet long. So this is 7.83 times 12. And over the years, I've had so many different types of prototypes made. And when I was conceiving the sonic slider, I was like, I want something that is sort of universally pleasing and soothing. And I pulled uh, numbers from sacred geometry, from the Fibonacci sequence, different uh, overtones or harmonics of the Schumann resonance. And this one, the 93.96 Hertz is the most universally pleasing. Like everybody who puts it on pets, plants, people, kids, infants, like it's just sort of makes you go, huh, right? It's really relaxing. It's it's just, it's coherent. It's it's regulating, it's ordering. It's uh, it's just a really great kind of all purpose fork. So, so that's a possibility. Um, another fork that people like is this one, which is 528 Hertz and this just has a really pretty sound. It's really bright. It's really uplifting. It can be used like a feather duster. You know how you go into rooms sometimes and the air feels stagnant or you kind of catch sort of a bad vibe? You can use this kind of like a smudge stick. And it, and it really, it gets energy moving. It clears stuff. It like kicks the energetic cobwebs away. Eurosmos, um, you might have known like when you were doing massage that the people leave photon traces of their energy on treatment beds. Even you put on clean sheets, like sometimes the vibe of the person is still there. I know I've certainly laid yeah. down on massage tables with very clean sheets, but felt like the sadness or the heaviness of the person who is there ahead of me. So this is something that you can, you can just energetically clean your massage table and, and make it all or go into a hotel room and clean stuff out. So uh, or even just sit with this in meditation. Just, it's really bright. It's really uplifting. So we really like that one. And then my newest fork, which is being released this week. Oh, nice. Is uh, 222 hertz. And uh, and this fork, so it's interesting. Like my other forks, the 174, the 144, uh, even the 520 are what I call working forks. And they will really 
like immediately start showing you where your dissonance is. They'll immediately start going into dissonance and working to resolve it. But this 222 doesn't do that. It's 222, I mean, it does a little bit. Like if you're a little tense, it can be a little sharp. But for the most part, what this fork does, it's kind of like a bell. It just sort of bongs. <laughs> and and it, those of us who've had the opportunity to play with it say it's like, it's sort of like a friend who'll sit with you when you're upset without trying to fix you, without judging you. Just be like, I love you just the way you are. So that's what this fork is. It's just a really pleasing being fork. And a lot of people are just meditating with it. In fact, I recently did a, a free 15-minute session on it. And after sitting with it for 15 minutes, uh, you know the, the, the saying, the jewel in the heart of the lotus, sort mm -hmm. of a meditation image of like the, the lotus blossom, the jewel in the heart of the lotus. Like that's what really came to me with this is, is like the sort of lotus sort of bloomed inside of me after sitting with this fork, it's very calming, it's very peaceful, it's even joyful. And I think the way the world is right now, like we just kind of need that, right? This, this presence of just being with and, um, and just breathing. And the more that you are exposed to it, the more it just kind of entrains your body into this sweet presence. We don't try to fix anything, just being the way that we are. And uh, and this has been really welcome. And it, it's nice because like the 144, this one will, will show you every place you're afraid. It can be really wonky sounding and really like, oh, you're out of whack here and you're out of whack there. And this is all out of alignment. Immediately, that one feels more serious. That one feels yeah, like, no, all right, we're doing work, we're contemplating some stuff. Yeah, that's what it is. This is a hardcore working fork. And it, like immediately you start feeling discomfort in your body and like it goes to work right away. But the yeah. 222 doesn't do that. It doesn't ask anything of you except to just be. And it's not reflecting all the ways you're out of order. It's reflecting your sweet beingness. So we're really enjoying that one. Yeah, it's beautiful. Arlene. I think your sweet beingness is a good way to end on. Totally. Yeah. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, just want to direct, I guess, our listeners into, I guess, how they can get more in touch with what you do, your offers, your work, where they can purchase your forks. Yeah. So biofieldtuning.com and biofieldtuningstore.com. So we, our tuning forks are uh, premium quality, American made, vetted by somebody with 27 years experience. And Ooh, they are that? absolutely the, the highest quality tuning forks you can get, you know, the, I know that there's always a temptation to save money, but the cheap forks on Amazon are not sound healing tools. They're just not. So, you know, I would definitely recommend it if you're curious about this, that you really get high quality tools and not bother with the junk uh, that's out there from China and India. Um, I also have lots of recordings, recorded biofield tuning sessions that you can listen to. We have practitioners all over the world. So if you want to experience a biofield tuning session locally or at a distance, uh, you can find somebody on there. Uh, we have a certification training program um, that is <clears throat> very comprehensive, very well put together. And, uh, and so, you know, being a biofield tuning practitioner has been such a gift for me. I think we always want to feel useful, like we're making a difference, right, for people and making a difference in the world and uh, getting people out of pain, out of anxiety, out of depression into their gifts um, and their creativity is just 
so rewarding. It's it's a really, really rewarding practice. So that's an option. You know, if you're thinking about getting into something holistic, right? It's biofuel tuning is very uh, efficient as well. So that's what one of the things I like about it. Um, I also have a YouTube channel with tons of videos. Uh, and you just search my name on YouTube and I've got all kinds of instructional videos and free tunings. Uh, I do a series called Sonic Sundays that are free tunings. Uh, sometimes I'm able to pop on YouTube live on Sunday mornings. And I just did one yesterday on uh, tuning for coherence, not for peace, uh, not praying for peace, but tuning for coherence, uh, which I think is really needed in the world right now. So there's lots of resources on there to check out. Totally. We'll awesome. make sure those links are in the show notes. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. Yeah. yeah, such a pleasure. So good to see you again. Can't wait to see you in person at the next event, whenever that is. And, uh, you know, wish you nothing but the best and lots of big hugs coming your way. All right. Sounds great. Thanks so much, guys. My pleasure yeah. too. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the day. And for everyone else, we'll see you next time. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms because they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward and never.